0: Welcome, Firefans, to the Men in Red podcast. I am tonight going to be your host. Alan is currently away. He is doing unspeakable things, such as watching the Blackhawks lose, more than likely. And I, I am joined by uh, King Neptune from the Spongebob movie, Mr. Tim.
1: That's a interesting introduction, but all right, I'll, I'll just roll with that. <laughs> <laughs> no further
0: comments. And I am joined by Javi Kasas fanboy, Alex, who currently has... The uh, fire shirt from the Crown Days
1: with Kasasa's jersey on it.
2: Yep, that's right behind me. My my uh, my prize of the locker room sale.
1: He was going to get a game worn version, but then they told him that they washed it, and he wasn't interested anymore.
2: <laughs> this is unreal. This is unreal <laughs> We're literally thirty <laughs> seconds in, and I'm getting.
1: Well, this is the second thing. podcast that we've both been on today And they got it in faster than that On the last one you were on So, I, you I know, mean, we had to
0: I mean, to be fair, I did just make a joke About Tim being bald So True <laughs> Anyway, uh, so Today is the emergency podcast Because the fire made an announcement Uh What's it again?
1: It's not oh, yeah, about Monas coming back
0: It's about Magellan is the new sponsor. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. That was a major news. They are now going to get their own steel nuts. But in all seriousness, we have our head coach, and uh, I don't think you can count it as our new head coach, considering this is his second time with the club. Frank Lobos, he is back, and. For those who don't know, Klobos originally was first hired as a technical director back in 2008, uh, I think with Dennis Hamlet, and he served as technical director until 2011 when they fired De Los Colos. then he took over as interim, and then he took over full-time for 2012 and 2013, and then they fired him, and then he led Montreal to the CONCACAF Champions League final, and then they fired him, <laughs> and now he's back. He took over interim in May for Ezra, and now... He's he's our he's our head coach next year.
1: Uh, I mean, the third winningest, or the the coach of the third best record of all fire head coaches, as the team pointed out in its press release. Um, there is kind of a drop off uh, from the top of the list to the middle I part mean, of the a list drop because off
2: after Bob Bradley, Bob and Dave Bradley. yeah,
0: yeah, like. Yeah, because I mean, to be fair, if you're ranking Chicago Fire coaches, it's Bob Bradley number one, Dave Sarachan number two, a pretty sizable gap, and then you're fighting between Dennis Hamlet and Frank Klopas and Delko Pandevich for that le- the next few spots, and then it's Juan Carlos Zorio and Carlos De Los Cobos and Frankie Alap. It's like,
1: well, erasing Ezra, which is a interesting interesting choice there, and Wiki. Um...
0: I don't. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Anytime I think about rating uh, Wiki and Ezra, I immediately think I can't because they very clearly did not have all the say in the roster. And Heights is just that bad at the time with Wiki that I don't know. And poor Ezra, like the man had John Espinosa and Jonathan Bornstein as wingers.
1: You know, I think that's an interesting point.
2: Yeah, that
1: that one of the things that I think we'll be talking about is Klopas has not really had any signings made with him in mind in his previous two kind of like interim stints. And so
2: I'm not that- sure.
1: Well, and and even that was sort of a signing of convenience. It was a loan. It wasn't like the team. I mean, it was already kind of in the family. So it's not like the team, it's not like Klopas was like, here's the exact player I need. Oh, and by the way, we've already signed him for the different club. Like that was because he was around, right?
0: I, don't know. I mean, to be perfectly honest with club Boss, it's kind of a case of he wasn't okay. So we're, we're going to now get into DJ ranting about his Illinois, his final Illinois days. Club Boss in 2012 and 2013 was not that bad. He was actually a decent enough coach. He had a lot of problems, though, with the roster. And the roster definitely kicked his butt. Um, If anyone forgets... So, there is a common theme. Sergio McDonald is one of the worst DPs in fire history, right? Except, in 2012, he was actually really good. And then he fell off. And because of that, though, the fire still got rid of Dominic Oduro... And for some reason that's always Frank Lopez's problem, where it's like they get a transfer made and it just it falls off. Like the DP falls off or something like that. And I remember that very well that McDonald in twenty twelve was good and then he just completely pooped his bed. But transfers this time around hopefully are gonna be better for him. We'll see what Heights actually does
1: so it's worth saying just to like give the headline 2012 his record as head coach 17 11 or 17 6 and 11 good for 57 points um fourth in the east 2013 14 7 and 13 good for 49 points the fire have not been close to 49 points over the past couple of years and if they were they would have comfortably been been in the playoffs, um, especially given the current format. But 49 points basically always makes it to the playoffs, even under the format that existed before this past season.
0: This this is where also the problem of Klobos as manager. Is he still the manager of 2013 or is he able to actually be a manager of today? MLS of 2013 is vastly different than it is today.
2: Right. So I would say we do not know. Straight up, we don't know the answer to that question. Because, yes, Klopas has coached a team in the current MLS. Uh, He did so for a couple of games in 2021 and two-thirds of the last season in 2023. None of those times he had the opportunity to mold the roster. None of those times he had the opportunity to pick the players he wanted with what he wants to do with the team. So this year, this year is gonna have a full offseason to actually pick the players he wants to play the way he wants to play. So we actually don't know if he can actually be a successful coach in today's MLS, MLS four point oh. We don't know. So, so the retort general, to that would be uh, that
1: the retort to that would be that a lot of coaches in MLS don't really get a roster that's a hundred percent molded to what they want because of the roster restrictions throughout. I mean, you 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 can't say I don't like this holding midfielder. And so we're going to have to go out and get a different guy and sign him when here's our budget. If it turned, like if the guy that you've got is a homegrown because they hit the roster differently, you can't just like change out parts in a roster like that in MLS. And because of that, you do frequently have to work with not exactly the right roster. That's different than having no signings or almost no signings made to what you want. But MLS is also not a league where you can like, Pick a name and get that guy, right?
2: No, I mean the thing is last season when he took over, he was inheriting a roster that was built with Ezra Hendrickson in mind. Ezra Hendrickson made the was leading the 2022 offseason signings. And Ezra Hendrickson I, has well, a different style to Frank. I don't but know I think that I think that's necessarily true.
1: To be honest, I'm not sure that the roster in 2022 or 2023 was really built around Ezra. There were a lot of players uh, it kinda that... kind of
2: was, though. It kind of was. It's not like it was... It's not like it was Frank uh, who has a different different approach tactically to Ezra. Like I think the Fire are going to do a lot at the top end of the roster this offseason. And if, if Frank is actually having input in that, it lends better to him than it would to where in 2022 offseason it was Heights or Ezra... Kind of giving names out there that either were specific to what Ezra was looking for, or just kind of general, vague signings that Heights felt would make the team stronger. So, so that Whereas becomes the, the question: is, it? Or, can have more input. The,
1: the question becomes: if you think, I mean, because that does become an Ezra question, right? Because Ezra has been a constant throughout, uh, throughout Wiki Heights, uh, or throughout Wiki throughout Ezra and the two kind of Clopas interims in between, and now Klopas full-time. So the question is how much input you think that Ezra really gives his head coaches into making um, those signings. Because I think it did feel like, at least to me, that the 2022 roster in 2023, there were not many like headline signings in 2023. In 2022, the team was radically different than it was the year before. It doesn't really seem like a lot of those signings were made to fit the template or address areas of need that the team had from 2021 to make the team play sort of like the way that Ezra said in his introductory press conference that he wanted a team to play, which is sort of like that, like Siggy Schmidt derived, like four, two, three, one, sort of like double pivot. Uh, it's almost become like an MLS template um, that a lot of teams have followed just because of how Siggy Schmidt was able to train so much of the coaching core throughout the league now. And, and he was a 2.0 coach,
2: now we're in 4.0, so I don't know that you still sure. the same format.
1: Well, okay, but the, but I mean, the Ezra was clear about the way that he wanted to play, right? Like he wanted to play, he said at least, I mean, and and who knows, like coaches say things all the time that are not necessarily exactly what they want to be doing because you don't want to telegraph everything. You don't want to telegraph your exact game plan to other people that are listening, trying to, you know, coach games against you, which is, which is fair. But I mean, in an intro press conference, like this is not like a super high stakes environment. He said how he wanted to play. And I think that the team tried to play that way. I think that when you look at some of the signings in that 2022 off season, I'm not necessarily sure that like Shakiri, a winger on the wrong side of 30 who, Really wasn't that fast and add that much dynamicism to the team. Casper um, Shibilko, a player that did well in a two striker system when Ezra was clear that he wanted to play in a one striker system. Like, I'm not really sure that those signings said, oh, yeah, this is like, these are the players that Ezra really wanted to bring in. And the reason that that's relevant now is whether or not Heights is listening to what Klopas wants to bring in to fit Klopas' preferred style of play which I, I agree with you i don't that's think we saw last I think year that's
2: what's going to happen i think that frank is going to have more input this off season i think like i said the team are going to make several changes at the top of the roster like i think tam i think you're going to see a new designated you're going to see at least one designated player come in possibly two depending on if a certain one can get sold or not um which could happen and you're going to see potentially some players leave that we didn't necessarily automatically think we're going to be leaving. So there's going I to think be we a kind of already other-
1: saw that. I think we saw that with Doombia. I don't know if you were surprised that Doombia was not brought back. I think that it was surprising. No, I to wasn't me, I was-
2: surprised at all, to be honest. But I think, right now you have one open DP slot that was vacated by Doombia. I think you have Torres on the roster, who is somebody who I think they're, go- they're going to look to sell, if I had to assume, based on piecing things together. They're going to look to sell him. Um, because he's quite possibly been the worst value-designated player in the history of MLS. I don't think I'm even exaggerating when I say that. No, I
1: mean, it's, when you look at a $6 million transfer fee and no primary points, assists, or goals in two seasons... Um, he has and, one secondary assist. Place, that's his only stat. Two, I believe, but one per season, but that's beside the point. Um, yeah, it's... Regardless, whether it's one or two, it doesn't really matter because that's still not... That's not MLS replacement level, right? Like, that's the kind of thing that if you had that player on your roster, even as a homegrown, you would say you needed more from the positions that he's been playing, and he hasn't given it. So I think the question becomes, if the team can't sell him, what what steps are they willing to take to move on from him, which could include, I mean, the team does get one buyout in the offseason.
2: And I think I know who that's going to be, but I don't think it's going to be Jairo Torres.
0: I I get a feeling that uh there are definitely gonna buy out Mauricio Panetta's contract. I didn't see what you're saying.
1: That's very low very slow, low burning joke there from, from DJ. I
0: listen, I'm I'm just trying to think right now with everything going on with Klopas. I remember back way back in the day, he tended to prefer like a four four two, he tended to prefer like two up top, two strikers even if it was a case of one of the strikers was for the behind and like a four, two, three, one with Chris Rolfe as the main striker, the uh, attacking mid slash striker. I'm not sure if he's going to go back with that. No, um, he's not.
1: Yeah. I don't think that Chris <laughs> Rolfe is available.
0: I mean, listen, we're bringing him back. We're bringing him <laughs> But back Did he retire?
1: Did he retire in 2017? I, I don't think that he's going to be playing an MLS next season. <laughs>
0: listen we don't know never say never you could see Cl- rolf could just take a massive blow of cocaine one day and say you know what screw it i'm not sure if, i don't want to get mad say anything about rolf because i mean we know him, one of his teammates did coke but hey i don't know if he did i don't think he
1: did that's <laughs> somehow this conversation's <laughs> taking a weirder turn than i thought that it would um so regardless i think that one of the things we've been dancing around is with Klopas back in the saddle, um, fire fan reaction on social media, I think has generally not been positive. I think that there's still a lot of personal appreciation for Klopas. And I mean, it is pretty clear, like, you know, he would literally like run into a burning house for this club, which I think that fans get, I think that everyone gets, but I think that that's different than saying that you think this is the guy to lead the team to glory. Right. Um, and I think that that's been the reaction on social media. I, I do th- think that in terms of where fans are, given that there was also a similar reaction to bringing Heights back for a year, um, the one chance the team really has in a, in a sporting sense to, to connect with fans between now and the first home game is going to be with the signings. And I think the question becomes... If they get those signings, so there's two things, right? Like there's getting the signings right, but then there's getting the signings right in a way that the fans feel are right. Because at this point, I don't think that they're willing to give the club the benefit of the doubt. They could make the best signing in the world and fans would not believe it until they had seen it on the pitch. The initial reaction would be that like, this guy's not right. Um, I mean, barring bringing in, I mean like Messi was like the, like the one name that I think is so far above, like, you know, like bringing in a name that is so huge that it's like indisputably like, wow, like the team is ambitious. Yeah, and even then, up, I don't too. think that's guaranteed to help the team win.
0: Yeah, well, uh, Lewandowski. But still.
1: Yeah. That's <laughs> the name that I think a bunch of fans have, have like, it, it's been like,
2: it's going to be available in the summer. Barcelona is going to be shopping him in the summer.
0: Going to be either so, Lewandowski or Mueller.
1: I mean, exactly. So, like, those names I think would be created favorably from like fire fans on social media now. I think that there's not a lot of daylight between those names and names of players that could be fantastic in MLS that the team would still get a lot of skepticism from from their fan base just because of the past signings. Like, the The thing is you name a big name that's big but not huge, and the fire fans will compare it to signing Shakiri. Do you name an unknown like d p and people will compare it to nacho ali Seda? like that's just that's the reality. So I think the team needs to be really careful with how they're like the signings they make and also how they communicate it to fans because I
2: honestly don't think that when the designated player signs, I don't think that the reaction from the fans at the moment that they are signed, I don't think that matters. I think what matters is how they perform on the field and what their reactions to that. Because if you sign a designated player striker that nobody's ever heard of, or very few have ever heard of, everyone will be like, oh, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Same thing they said for Nemanja Nikolic. And he's the best striker in the club's history. So I think what matters is how they perform.
1: I agree with you. And I think that there's a chance... like. but that actually is a good point. So that means there is kind of going to be a lot of pressure on Heights or to get the signings right and then on Klopas to get some good results out of the gate because the Fire had that weird stretch at the beginning of Ezra's tenure where they weren't losing, but they weren't winning. The Fire have not had a good start to their season in a long time. Last yeah.
0: actually good start was 2012.
2: Guess who was the coach? That
0: most ironic thing ever. What? Full honesty to. I feel like with the DP slot, now that there's a fourth slot, you have that option of. Well, there.
1: That's not that. That is not official yet, and there's not confirmed yet.
2: They'll decide it in the coming days and weeks.
1: And and there's a a a decent chance that may not happen, from what I've been hearing. There's I think I have an
2: indication. I have an indication just based on reading the tea leaves, that that's not going to happen anymore. That They were talking about it for a couple of months, but reading the tea leaves, Luis Suarez is about to sign with Inter Miami as a TAM player. And if they were adding a fourth DP slot, I think they would have waited and made him a DP. But if he's signing as a TAM player, that tells me they're not adding another DP slot.
1: Uh, And to be honest, it is... I
2: hope I'm wrong, because I think they do need a fourth DP in the league. But... Reading the tea leaves, it looks like it is a
1: this Suarez, it, it looks like that that may not happen. It does seem like there will be roster changes, it doesn't necessarily look like they're going to be happening in time to affect team builds this offseason.
0: To be fair, though, on Luis Suarez, Miami has uh fudged the numbers a little bit in the past,
2: yeah, and oh. even our good friend Jordan Shakiri has uh, called out Miami on this in the past. <laughs> oh, it's true. Seriously. I not? Yeah. After the uh, after the Inter-Miami uh, win, the 4-1 win on October 4th, Shakiri in the post-match interview that I did with him was saying like, yeah, Inter-Miami, you know, they've been breaking those roster rules. But that, that that That's something he said. Yeah. I mean, I
0: don't know. Because see, here's the thing about DPs with the Fire. You have the DPS that should not be DPS, but are overall good players, or at least decent enough. That was Said. If Allesada was signed at like three hundred K, you're not getting the same reaction you're getting as a designated player. Same with Heminis. Like as a, he's whatever as a six hundred K, but. With Shaq, well, so, like-
1: but the thing is, the thing is he's not a 600K player though, right? Like, and, and yeah. he's been on multiple contracts. gaston been, has been on multiple contracts and he's now a high tan level player. And I think the question is if he's not, if he's good enough, but whether or not he does a good enough role in the roster, in the role that he's being expected to fulfill, to fill that.
0: And that's the problem where it's like, he has that tag on him. That's, that's one of the problems that I've had with like the DP, the TAM, and everything is once you add that tag, even if it's just by technicality, all of the expectations go up massively. That's what happened with Doombia. Because remember, I remember people were angry that Doombia was signed as a DP, but the only reason he was signed as a DP was because it made the roster work better. It made him fit in a lot easier than just signing him straight out. As, not as a TAM or whatever. Then you had, well, was it a couple? Was it even technically Ali Sada was a tech, as a DP by technicality because they couldn't buy him down
1: because of the U Well, stocks. not technicality. Well, it wasn't. Well, yeah, the U twenty two.
2: For what it's worth, I think this is worth mentioning: is if you send a player to Lugano, you have to use the one time buyout. If you yeah. if you sell it, that's so. For what it's worth, John Espinoza was the one-time buyout last offseason because MLS put a rule in place to prevent NYCFC and the Rapids from artificially creating allocation money by sending players to uh, Man City and Arsenal. Uh, Basically, if you are sending a player to a sister club with the same ownership,
1: you need to use
2: the buyout. So
1: you don't necessarily have to use the buyout, the player, but you don't it's necessarily not as get to
2: easy to just send a player to Lugano to get them off the books because you still need to use that buyout. So say so, the so, fire sent Torres there, they'd still have to use the buyout.
0: Didn't Espinoza I thought Espinoza and the Fire mutually terminated their contract.
2: Espinoza was the also, you
1: don't necessarily have to use the you don't necessarily have to use the buyout, but the league decides at their discretion what fair terms are for the sale, based on my understanding of the rules.
2: Well, basically, if it's a sister club and you're selling a player for money, you have to use the buyout. That's what I know.
1: My my, my understanding is that it's related party transactions. Because there's been a related party transaction for players coming into the league for years. My understanding is after the fire. Did the Nacho thing? Um, there's now a similar rule for transfers going to related parties, which means a sister club going out. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a buyout. But the, the league, at its discretion, decides what sort of like fair market value is. Um, it's one of the things that came into play with Tati Cassiano's going uh, to the club in France that he ended up at, which was also owned by no, City. No don't know.
2: but. He went to Man City technically and got loaned to Hirona, and then he got sold from Man City to uh, Italy. To Lazio. I completely forgot Tati Cascianos was a thing. <laughs> I, He's in playing Champions League, you know.
1: I'm not that thinking of Tati Cassianos. Why? Am, who am I thinking of? It doesn't matter.
0: This is also the other problem with MLS roster rules. are so dang ridiculous. Which may actually be helpful because us actually was a technical director long ago, but. Oh, the rules were very
2: different then. He, when yeah. he was technical director, they invented the designated player.
1: Yeah. No, the, that predated him by a few years. Uh, by one, one year. The, one year. Yeah.
0: But he did, reportedly, as Tyrus has mentioned. He did want to be on the technical director. He wanna be like in the technical staff. So maybe maybe he's been paying attention to those classes, because Heights apparently has not been as well.
1: Well, there are people in the club that are very well versed in MLS roster rules. For sure. Uh, it's it becomes a question of I mean, it, it takes synergy, right? Like you have to identify players, you have to identify needs for starters, right? Like you need to know that a player is the players you have in a position are not necessarily doing something that you're looking for. You've got to identify players that are doing that and then you've got to kind of like got to navigate the MLS roster rules to make it all fit together. Um while keeping your eye out for like just like opportunities like, "Oh wow, like this guy that no one's heard of is really good." Um and that's I mean, it's challenging to do that many things at once, but that's why there's a team of people doing it.
0: Full, well, full honesty. Uh, when Heights eventually leaves, my hope is just that Alex Bowler has been just good enough. Off topic, but hey, but
2: that's to fire too.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like fire too. Like that they they can promote him from within because I'd rather it be somebody that deserves it than just some someone that doesn't keep hiring Heights. But. But all that said what what are you guys even expecting for 2024 now with Klopas because that's that's the one thing that I think a lot of people a lot of fans seem between mad and just really dude with this
1: well Klopas set the bar right like the team published quotes from him and they published a video from him on, on social media he said the team should not just be trying to make it into the playoffs but should really be competing right like that's I can look up the exact quote, but... And he
2: said that he said that uh, on Decision Day as well. When I talked to him in New York City in Queens, he said, like, this team shouldn't just be trying to squeak into the playoffs. This team should be competing for trophies. And I think everybody agrees with that. The fire are, the sleeping giant of Major League Soccer, they should be one of the top teams by all logical means, and they haven't been. And off the field, they're getting to that level with everything that's happening with the club away from the field, but they haven't been able to accomplish anything in league play or in the cup competitions, really, that shows they are one of the giant teams of the league. The question now is, is Frank the guy who can bring them there? Clearly, the higher-ups in the organization think he is. I think the majority of the fan base thinks it's not. It's an unambitious hire. I think the jury is still out. I think we'll see what happens. I think we'll see how the next year goes. I think that'll be a good indication. But... I do think So that's that was, actually is
1: a question. Do you think he gets do you think he gets the full I mean, regardless if results don't go his way, do you think he gets the full year?
2: I think they would have to be really, really bad for him to not remain the coach by the end of the season. I mean, most fire coaches have gotten actually every fire coach under Heights has gotten one full season. And then second season, they get the they get the sack if it's not going well. Um, I think Frank should most likely get the full season unless they're in last place, like halfway with zero wins. Like, I think he will get the duration of the year. Um, but really, we have to wait and see. For reference, only one coach in Fire history has ever not gotten the full season. That was Juan Carlos Osorio. Who and argue, you could argue is like the most talented of all the coaches the Fire have had.
1: That would and be then- an interesting argument. I think that. He's definitely one of the candidates. He's definitely in the top what, twelve? Top two? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no. But I mean, if we're being realistic, he's definitely in, in one of the top ones. Now, I, I think that having said all of that, though, like again, Klopas set the bar. Though he didn't have to in his in his quotes, he but he did. And so the question is, does the team perform to the standards that he has set in twenty twenty four?
2: And I think, I sincerely think that the Fire will be significantly better in twenty twenty three in 2024 than they were in 2023 and 2022. Does that mean they're going to be competing for championships? I don't think so. But do I think they're going to be significantly better? I actually do think so. Because I think the signings they're making are going to significantly improve the roster. I genuinely think that. I think that things that are happening are moving in the right direction. I think they're, I mean, maybe this is me being too optimistic, but I think that they actually are learning from mistakes of previous off seasons and being more calculated with the players they're signing. But again, I feel like we said the same things in 2022 off season. So who knows?
1: So you've got two long-term statistical trends that are kind of like meeting against each other and having a fight here. One of which is that very few teams in MLS history have ever actually improved their results year on year for four years, um, which is what the FIRE would have to be doing to make it into the playoffs because they improved year after year. Uh, I mean, I guess 2020, eh, whether or not it you count
2: that. like 0.1 points. Well,
1: 2020 and 2021 were the exact number of points per game, like exactly the same, exactly 1.0 point per game. But they improved in 2022. 2020 and they, count. Yeah. And then they improved by eight points in 2023. Regardless of that, um, the team has improved. And very few teams in this league improve three or four years in a row. In a points total, which is what the team needs to do to make the playoffs, right? So on one hand, you've got that sort of like trend or historical normal thing. On the other hand, it's a league where it's very difficult almost to not make the playoffs in a league where most teams make the playoffs and the chance that the team will not make the playoffs again just seemed astronomically low. And so the question is which becomes the the series of events that happens. Um and obviously it's not a random chance. I mean there is a certain amount of like luck and you know bad things happen, weird things happen in MLS. I mean scoreboards catch on fire, uh parts of Signs saying Toyota hit fans in the parking lot. It's that kind of a league, but it isn't random. Push come to shove. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll have to see, but it just seems like there's realistically a way that the fire can be significantly better next year, just given a normal amount of progress.
0: I think it's also worth noting Klobot's for some reason they tr- could not figure out how to get Shakiri and Guti to work together. They kept trying to force Guti to stay out wide or Shakiri to stay out wide or anything like that. Lopetegui well, did manage to get it to work.
1: It kind of But not consistently. Apart.
0: Yeah. Like it fell apart later on. But well, the thing like is the, that-
2: the games where you had Guti and Shakiri together at their best, you didn't get the most out of other players. Like the the I'd argue that the stretch where they played together the best was when they had the 3-4-2-1, where they were dual number 10s in a free roll underneath, where they were kind of both the number 10. But then you had Haile Selassie as a wing back, Zouké as a center back. It just didn't really make the rest of the team stronger. Which then
0: goes into the issue of possibly looking at Shaq's role in the fire in general, and whether Guti even sticks around very long, which
2: well, he, he the good. new.
0: Oh, yeah. He'll, he'll be here for the rest of the year. It's Shaq. Well,
1: right regardless, I think that no one no one believes that Shaq is going to get an extension or be here keep past his three year deal. Keep
2: in mind, Shakira is going to be gone for a month in the summer because of Euro 2024 with Schweiz. Which a lot of people are
0: actually, which a lot of people Tyrus is saying, if Shaq's going to move, that's probably when he's moving before his contract's up. At the end of the day, Shaq's contract is up next year along with like four other people and of them there's only one that definitely is going to get extended and the other three are kind of like depends on how their season goes.
2: And for the listeners, can you remind everyone whose contracts are up after next season? Uh, well, that I know for
0: sure are She Host, Herbert's Onsberg, Richie, and Shaq.
1: There's and also for- Yeah shebelko
2: the- there is
1: The team has never formally announced the contract, so we I can't
2: confirm that Casper Shabilka's contract is up after
0: 2020. We also don't know what Barlow's status is, which I think he's on an option for 2025.
1: He's on an option for yes,
0: he's on an option for this year too. But but
1: that is, of course, assuming that he doesn't um, score 10 goals, which would involve the
2: 10 goals um, doesn't automatically trigger the extra year.
1: No, it wouldn't trigger an extra year, but. You'd assume that if he signs ten goal, if he scores ten goals, then the team would sign him to a new deal, and that would involve per something that Eddie Rock told uh, fans gathered that he would walk the one hundred thousand dollars in gam from here to New York. So, <laughs> I I am not gonna lie, I
0: kind of want Barlow to do it just because. Listen, we never got a video of um of who's the fire's staff or who's the uh, media personnel for the fire, the one that runs the Twitter account can't remember her name Megan. Megan. Yes. We never got a video of her doing, uh, what was it? She posted a video during the uh, off season last year where she said, if this tweet gets like a hundred likes, I will do this training exercise. I think it was the suicide runs or whatever they're called.
2: Suicide sprints. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: I think that's what it was. I I don't know for sure. But we never got that, so we need to at least have somebody in the fire organization to live up to what they say they're going to do, for that regard.
1: However, the fire actually are a professional sporting team, unlike Men in Red, so they don't just do everything for content purposes. We do, though. So, uh... I mean, in fairness, they did have <laughs> the hey, what do you guys think
0: of, or who would you never let your sister date? And we got the hilarity and
2: the answer of- was having us.
0: Yeah, and the the best the worst answer though was uh or the best answer was AJ Re- was Andre Reynolds <laughs> who just said I've never let Justin date my sister as Justin's oh, like yeah. Justin's just looking at him like uh what
1: For those so things- listeners cannot see so we're going to just say that right now <laughs> Alex Calabrese is holding up a Javier Casas Jr. jersey. The, is that the 2020 jersey? 21. The 21. Um,
0: sale. There's also one other thing I just thought of that's going to be good for next year that will help Klopos out immensely. Speaking of that, the men in red will be back. They will be back in red. From what I understand, the shirt looks good.
1: Hopefully. It does. It actually It does, does. look good. It really does. I believe I'm the
0: only one in this call that has not actually seen the shirt, more than likely. I've seen mock up of it, but I I haven't seen it.
1: Can either Um, confirm nor deny. But the results on the field have not been, I think, what anyone has been happy with, including, by the way, like the majority of the players. Like, no no one likes, like, if you don't like watching a team lose a soccer game, like, the players like it less. Like, that's just, I mean, I, true thing in any sport like players like losing even less than fans do um but the team has really tried to embrace like the off the pitch things that make a club successful and one of them is stuff like bringing back the red shirts after like a hiatus that has been way too long
0: although it is also worth noting uh Boss last time did not actually coach with the red shirts. Well no. Coached the interim as the red shirt coach, but then they went to the Quakers jerseys and that was weird.
2: No, I think twenty thirteen that was red.
0: No, that was that was still so Quaker.
2: That was that
1: was like that really? blue That's Quaker jersey.
0: No, twenty twelve and twenty thirteen was the Quaker jerseys. Uh Wait, twenty No, but they were still red. Yeah, but they didn't. Well, they weren't the red and white. I mean,
1: we it was red white and white
0: stripe. No, it was red and black and dark blue or black.
1: It was like that really dark blue, right? Like it was like a yeah. super dark.
0: It was like it was a weird little like they replaced the white stripe with a. I don't blue.
1: know. How it was. No,
2: blue stripe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So 2012, 2013, they wore a blue stripe. 2014, it was that weird blue and red one. And then twenty twenty sixteen they had the white stripe. Then they in twenty seventeen
1: onwards, yeah, it was the white stripe with, with different different sponsors on it.
2: Oh yeah, that <laughs> I, one.
1: Yep.
0: That that one for twenty fourteen. That one was just
1: Do you want to describe that one for the fans at home that cannot hear or I mean rather see what you're seeing? It's still better than Columbus's at the time. They're away jersey. Well, it's not yellow, so that was a given.
0: Well, yeah, it also doesn't look like someone just peed on the front of their jersey.
1: Again, it's not yellow, so... <laughs> <laughs> like, we're just saying the same thing multiple times.
0: For those that don't know, uh, yeah, Columbus decided it was a good idea to come out with a jersey that just was... Literally looked like somebody had peed down the front of their shirt. Ah, yes. These are some good jerseys. Some bad jerseys, so, but also some good ones.
1: Uh, we apparently are at the stage where DJ is just like looking at bold fire shirts and sharing the screen with us. But, um, Oh no, this is Alex. Oh, that's Alex. My bad. I do not
0: have that many tabs open. Do not worry.
1: Oh my goodness. If you think that's a lot of tabs, do not look at my screen. Oh, God. All right. Now we're getting all meta because I'm looking at a, a picture of myself that Alex is sharing instead of a picture of myself and it's just getting too many. Um, I know. There there should not be this
0: many of me in the world. This is a crime. Anyway,
2: back to what the actual topic. I think that with Frank coming in, you're gonna see some signings that are more proven within MLS. I think you're going to see the fire do at least some movement in the free agent market this offseason. I think you're going to see at least one relatively large name from within the league from the free agent market come in this offseason. I do think you'll see some players on the first-team roster who are maybe not long-term viable first-team contributors. You're going to see them actively shopped. and I think you're going to see a more aggressive transfer window as a whole because Frank is someone who is Very highly respected by the sporting staff. And I'd even argue more so than the previous head coaches were under Heights. So if I had to guess, I'm going to say you're going to see more control to the head coach than you did in previous years. And I think you're going to see an aggressive domestic free agency and domestic market within MLS, which is not something you've seen from the fire in previous seasons of the last four years.
1: That's definitely true. So do you think the team will line up tactically now that Frank has had more time to sort of control the roster and shape the signings?
2: I still think it's
1: going to be a 4-2-3-1
2: base system, but I think that the way they play is going to be slightly different. I think it's going to be less of a run everything through Shakiri, which is what Ezra was building around. He built it everything runs through Shakiri. I think you're going to see less of that. I think you're going to see a bit more tactical flexibility than you did under Ezra where there was almost no tactical flexibility whatsoever. Uh, And yeah, those are my main expectations for how the team looks on the field. I will say
0: one thing I really do want to see um, that affects on field, mostly off field. I really want them to try and sign
2: Dominic Kinnear as an assistant coach. See, I don't think that's going to happen because I think he's it for head coaching jobs around the league. He's interviewing for the New England job. Um, I don't know this for sure, but I was I was going to assume that he might have potentially been a candidate for this job. It looks like he wasn't in the end. But he's a guy who has plenty of experience as a head coach in MLS. He won MLS Cup as a head coach. Actually, twice if I'm not mistaken. And yes, he hasn't come to a first-team job in eight years, but he's a very successful assistant with FC Cincinnati, the best team in MLS. You could make the case after winning the Supporters Shield, and he's someone who honestly is a candidate for the New England Revolution job. Potentially, could be a head coach in last season. I, I think there's a very strong probability that he's not with Cincinnati next year. So
1: I agree. Yeah,
2: but at the same time, that's kind of what I mean. Like.
0: I want Klopas to get somebody that is extremely experienced in MLS. Because right now, the coaching staff is him, it's C.J. Brown and Zach Thornton, more than likely.
2: C.J. Zach Thornton, and then you have the two two Greeks.
1: Yeah. Cypriots, um, if we're being technical about it. I I think (laughs) they're they're both Greek.
0: They're both Greek, I think. They both played for the Greek national, or coaching, I think.
1: Okay, they came from teams in Cyprus. But, um... Do we actually have confirmation they're back next year, Alex? Because they were announced. I don't being have there for confirmation visas. on that, but I assume they are. I, I mean I hope that they are because their their visas took forever to get here and um <laughs> to just be here for their
2: visas took I'm, longer than they were actually coaches for. Like they became yeah. <laughs> they joined the coaching staff officially in August. So they were there three months. And they no, not even three months, like two months.
1: Well, it's not just the months It's also the number of and they games were, they they were
2: they they did their they had their job interviews in May.
1: That and they arrived and they arrived basically in time for it to be a couple of games and then a couple international breaks and then a couple of games and then you know like it was like they, they had so little time with the full team to to practice or anything like that. So I I mean one I hope they were well paid and two I I hope that that they don't just have <laughs> to go back because after getting work visas uh taking that long um Having said that though, I think their first games, I mean, I think this is just bad luck. I don't think this is actually their fault, but their, their first games with the team coincided with the, the, yeah, like sort of like losing, the like the form. stretch, the dip in form well, that included that. Game, like,
2: their first game was the Orlando game. Canada scored and that was the three. That was the game where Klopas missed because of COVID.
1: And then following that, the team went on that goalless stretch for the six games prolonged period. Yeah. The eighth longest goalless stretch in MLS history. So, um, but I mean, again, like, I, I don't do, I do not think this is the. Like that, Sorry, what? <laughs> I don't know how you get stats like that. Did you just well, your... I was keeping track the, by the way, the MLS does have a record book they send out to media, Alex, so that you can, um, that's, in there? Like...
2: that's, that's in there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that stat is in there. That's how I know. I
2: looked at it. I didn't realize that stat was
1: there. I, I had to like read it. I, I'm like, this has to be there somewhere. And I had to like, I was like, the, they called it something weird, like consecutive minutes without, a, but like, I, I couldn't just search for it. Cause any terms I search for in the book, cause it's like PDF that like is not formatted that well. It's a
2: weird PDF, but I didn't realize that. Be- it, was there.
1: it is in there. Um, so it is now the, it is the eighth longest stretch in history. Uh, that a club has been without a goal, and that happened. I mean, again, like not to like be negative about it, but under Kloppus' tenure, uh, and I don't think it's necessarily his fault, it's and I don't think it's not
2: his fault, but
1: it is a question of whether or not because he did play the team in a relatively conservative fashion um, that was oriented more towards avoiding defensive collapse. I think it's fair to say than it was to try to like run and gun and score goals.
2: Well, yeah, because the defensive uh, midfield double pivot was pretty weak to be fr- to be frank.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, I'm not frank. He's the coach, but... Yeah, I'm not frank. <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs> oh, man, I love a terrible pun.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's, it does make sense that Tim is making the dad jokes.
1: Yeah. He is mm-hmm. the oldest
0: one here, so he, he can make the dad jokes for now. However, if if ever there's a podcast with... Matt, Allen, and I again. Uh I'll have to make the dad
1: jokes and this will be weird. Or I will be the oldest. <laughs> Do you have anything you'd like to disclose? Okay, that's your rationale. Okay. Well, I thought you were about to tell us something. No. <laughs> Is no, Hannah behind you? Yeah, Hannah's right behind <laughs> does, me. does she have news? No, I'm um, I'm joking.
0: With that said, I think we pretty much covered everything we can about Frank Lopas.
1: Can we get a prediction before we close I've, out?
0: Okay, I'm going to actually say something about Klopas. I fully can I, say with
2: about can I say something about Klopas? We can no. all say something
0: about Klopas, only if you he's, say it in perfect Greek. He's he's he is a soccer expert. Um, I, I'm I'm honestly kind of shocked that you didn't go with the Nelson Rodriguez one too.
1: We just shook up the
0: f- soccer world, boys.
1: So Alex is playing sound advice that you guys can't hear, but we can. So that's been Boston. fun, Austin.
0: Um, Austin has, is going to put them
1: in as just just so random. Did audio you, did, did you actually have a a Clobus thing to say?
0: Yes. Full honesty, I fully expect Clopuss will get the team behind him, and that's something that the team desperately needs. That's one thing that I feel. One. Okay, I said this before, but the 2013 season was a really the turning point. After that season, the Fire were never the same. They never really got that. They never reached those heights again. Got in 2017 and that was it. So I'm hopeful that Klobos can do what should have been done in 2013, which is keeping at least a good set of players. And if not for this year, maybe for next year, for the year after. Because right now the Fire do have a few good players. They have Pineda, they have Guti and Brady, they have Tehran. Which, yeah, some of these guys are going to go to Europe. Tetran is
2: likely I'm, leaving
1: in the season. Yeah, like but having said that, it. you did make you did make a good point, which is that there was sort of if there's a dividing line between like the original Fire, the team that like won the MLS Cup in their inaugural year and was competing for trophies, and then kind of like had a dip in form, but it still sort of felt like the same club that was fighting and the fire sort of like after that, which has not been competing for trophies and other than wooden spoons.
0: I would say there are three things that definitely separated the fire of old from the fire of new, the retirement of Pavel Pardo, which saw the fired defensive situation, their central midfield situation, just dip in form entirely. I We love big red, but if you're comparing Pavel Pardo and Jeff Lerino it's always going to be part of. Part of always going to win that battle. The second thing is Klopas leaving because because Clopas left, you saw Jaleel and Ababa and Austin Berry get sold for nothing. You saw guys like, you saw these moves that just didn't make any sense. I remember when I was first saw that they announced that Austin Berry and Jaleel and Ababa were leaving. My first thought was meaning why? Juliani Baba was arguably one of the greatest right backs in fire history up to that point because he had to be. And he played it really well. And Austin Berry, yeah, he's not the greatest player ever, but he was a good step center back.
1: So Clopas' departure Clopas's departure changed the complexion of the team.
0: Yeah. And then of course a year later you get the retirement of Logan Paws, who is one of only two full blown fire players. Like career fire players that aren't just homegrowns that retired immediately after they left, like Ritter. And, well, you can't include Gonzalo Cigaras by technicality because he played only for like 10 minutes in Cyprus. But still.
1: see, this is why when you were asking about the jerseys in 2013 and 2014, Alex, that I'm like, why are you going up against DJ with this? Like, this is <laughs> like, like, if there's one person you're going to lose, it's kind of an argument with.
0: Um, you shall not challenge my <laughs> 2013 autism, (laughs) sir. I still remember, uh, the old over the fire podcast. I used to listen to back then when they announced the jerseys.
2: I still remember that That was a good one.
1: So a point that you're making is that
2: I have a question, DJ, you're the resident 2000 fire. What do you, how do you feel the reaction? The feeling, the vibe was different when in December of 2011, Andrew Hopman announced that Frank Lobos would be his head of coach.
0: I don't know. I wasn't a fan at that
2: point. What? <laughs> but you're literally the 2012 guy.
0: Yeah, 2012 is when I started paying
2: attention. Oof. So
0: this is what happened, okay? 2011, I only watched like three games. And it was the Marco Papa hat trick, the Pavel Pardo gold game, his debut, which I saw live. And it's to date the only actual Chicago Fire game I've ever actually been to. That's an actual like match.
2: However, okay, we're gonna hopefully... make sure we get to the Orlando away game this year. We're
0: gonna make sure of it. <laughs> well, that depends entirely on whether the fire have a home game in April. Um and I think I saw like the D uh. I saw the end of the DC game. <laughs> so if ever you want to know the irony of the Klobos tenure. There was a point where the fire were called the comeback kings because they would never, they kept coming back from behind, including a 2 1 win at DC United, where Dwayne De Rosario scored a goal in the 90th minute. And then the fire went back upfield. And I think it was Sebastian Graziani, the cokehead he was, scored an amazing goal. And then, yet again, the fire, like two minutes later, Gonzalo Cigares bombing down the field, Orberuch, Luis Chavez, uh, Chavez Diego Chavez, all running down the field, and it's, it's Grasini to Cigares to Chavez. They've done it! The Dan Kelly era of announcements.
2: <laughs> like, that is... My friend, that is, the fact that this is... To the listeners, the fact that this is what we're talking about, that's the Frank Clopas era. This is what yeah. we're going yeah. back to, basically. That's that's my point here in this conversation,
1: and bring this topic up.
2: Yeah, just this? That, it's, a it's a different league. It's a different team. Everything is different.
1: And that's the set. question, though, because like that's, that is what it comes down to. If you're trying to look for that dividing line between the Sort of like fire that we're winning everything or competing for everything, and we're expected to be good. And the fire that, I mean, Andrew Weeby on extra time likes calling the Keystone Cops of the league, where like it's just like nothing goes well. Like there's like hijinks, and I mean sometimes like humor with whatever, but nothing ends up planning like landing the way that it should. That dividing line happens around Frank Klopas's tenure. You can kind of like put it on either side of that. And I think the question is whether or not Klopas becomes the person that leads the team back to what it was in that era before. So basically, what
2: you're essentially- saying is the Fire Dark Ages are a Frank Klopas sandwich.
1: Yes, hopefully. that that would be the hope, right? Like cuz it's it's right around that, right? And so the question is, do you think that he's but I mean having said that, like being around there at the time, he wasn't the cause of the team's downfall and that doesn't necessarily mean that he will be the solution to the team's downfall. You know what I mean? Like I think that we'll have to see.
0: Um he's already got the German center back and hopefully that one doesn't get injured too.
1: You're yeah. just making people relive he's things. Is it
0: better, Rafa Chihos or Arne Friedrich? I mean, I love, I love you, Rafa, but um, Arne Friedrich was a starter in a world and a team that nearly beat Spain in the 2010 World Cup and arguably played better than Spain at times. So, clearly the answer is Mauricio Pineda. I was not expecting that to be
2: the answer. <laughs> no, the answer is Francisco Calvo.
0: I I can't even bring myself to joke about that. That That's just too far. It's too soon. It's too soon. But I will say, speaking of that, of Panetta and guys like that, you can fully expect klobost will bring players out. He will work with players. I bring this up time and time again. When Mike McGee was signed, the first thing Klobas told him, did was he asked him, Where do you want to play? I will play you there. Wherever you want to play, I will play you there. And that's something about Klobas that I think it, it's beneficial. It is massively beneficial if Klobas says, Like, go oh, Klobas go to Guti, and say, If you want to play attacking mid, I can't promise you every game, but you and Shaq are going to be switching. When Mueller is healthy, you, Shaq, Mueller, you guys will be switching back and forth. So you're saying he's he's a
1: player's coach?
0: Yeah, he he definitely. And I think that's one of the things.
1: And so something the team has been deeply interested in to like bring this full circle with like the teams around the time that he was the team. People that work for the team have talked extensively about building or bringing back really the culture that existed early on in the team's history, and I think that that is one of the driving forces like that was mentioned in the press release of like why they are bringing Frank back Um, because they want the team to be what it was in that early era. I think the question is whether or not he's the right guy to do that.
0: The fact that the fires biggest targets of the offseason okay. of for like coaching and general manager before they ultimately went with Heights were likely Jim Curtin, Jesse Marsh, Chris Armist, Brian McBride, Carlos Bocanegra types of things. That definitely says that's what they want. They want that old style. And the fact that right now the roster has, or the staff has CJ Brown and Zach Thornton on it, more than likely, that definitely doesn't, doesn't the team against the, it.
1: The team values alumni for sure. And they value the way that the team played back then. I mean, they've had multiple, and it's in some ways it's been positive. The team has reached out to like X former, like ex fire players and tried bringing them back in different capacities. Um, but again, I think the question is whether or not Klopas is the right decision to do that in the position of head coach, because I think the team wanted Klopas to be involved in some way with a club as he has been for, at this point, the you know better part of three decades. Um, and I don't think that was ever going to be the question, was whether or not Klopas was or was not involved with the club. I think the question is whether or not this is the way he was involved.
2: And I don't think anybody expected that, not even
1: him. Yeah. Yeah. So, before we head out, we're talking about the expectations for 2024, which is a season that, I mean, I think that you're right, Alex, when you said earlier, he's more than likely going to be the head coach for the entire season. I, I don't, I mean, other than like him, like, literally like lighting his house on fire and quitting. I don't say that he gets terminated from that role sometime in 2024. So with that in mind, um, he's got a full off season to talk to heights, to try to work signings that fit the way that he wants to play. He's got a full preseason to try to mold the team into his style. Do we think that, well, what are your expectations for the results in 2024? I'm going to ask both of you, um, DJ, I guess you first. Playoffs. Playoffs, meaning?
0: Just, I think the Fire are probably going to make the playoffs this year. If Klobos can do, even if he can repeat a part of what he did before, not entirely, but come close to it, the Fire make the playoffs. It's not going to go, I don't think they're going to be like making the conference semis and conference finals and the MLS Cup final, but they're going to be good enough that, they at least make that wild card.
1: As so do you, so, so wild card up. is their expectation? Not, not like they're in the playoffs a month before the end of the season. Not like they're fighting for a home playoff, like home playoff advantage.
0: I I will wait and see until I know some of the guys they want to sign. I have seen some of the insider info from players, from everything. I will wait and see because if they sign some of the guys that I think they might want to sign, I mean, you're talking about a much better team. If it's just what we've got now with some improvements, you're talking that's still a team that can do well if it's led right.
1: So your expectation is is making the playoffs and then there's a potential upside. So it's making the playoffs upside from there. Alex, how about you?
2: Uh, my prediction, what I feel the expectation is the bar, what would be a good season? I'm, I mean, I'm going to say I think fifth through seventh. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. I think they are going to make the playoffs. Like I've said earlier in the pod, I think the team is going to be better this season. I think sneaking into the wild card is not assessed by any 18 teams make the playoffs accomplishment. There are 20 in most 18 teams is actually more teams than most professional national domestic leagues around the world
1: have. So, 100%. It's, it's all but two teams in the Premier League, which is, I think, at this point, undisputably the right. best league in the world. It's, so it's a high number.
2: Fifth through seventh, any less than that is not failure, but it's a disappointment. If they get fourth or higher, that's a huge accomplishment to turn that around. But I think fifth through seventh, realistically, I mean, it's not the best example to use because it's a very different circumstance, but Cincinnati went from last place to sixth so I think if you're getting into that range that then you're on course to meet the set for yourself and that's to be a competitor the years so I would say fifth to seventh range not the wild card above the wild card but I don't think anything higher than that is really realistic
1: yeah I I 100% agree I I think that Wild card making the playoffs is essentially still being treated like not making the playoffs of being a little bit lucky in this league um, I realized that Sporting KC ended up yeah but they were playing sort of St. Louis that.
2: who were massively overrated
1: So, well St. Louis St. Louis whose only win in a knockout tournament came against a USL side um, despite playing in three knockout tournaments this year so yes you haven't batched
0: St. Louis enough on
1: this podcast yet well, don't worry. We're we're just getting started, um, but uh, yeah, they. I mean, they beat St. Louis. They they played a a, a decent game um, in the round. After that, you know, I mean, I, I don't think you can really like har like take issues with the performance. Hmm. But I, I think that other than that, I think the team still the league will still treat being a team in like eighth or ninth place as sort of like sneaking in and being luckier than the team in 10th place um, and not really being deserving of making the playoffs. And I think that that would be a failure. I, I, I do suspect the team will be better than that. And when you look at the results over the past year, just not having some boneheaded decisions late in games that result in penalties against you, just not, like, failing to defend off of set pieces that cost you goals. Like, those kinds of decisions are the margin between the team landing where they were, in points, not necessarily in standings, but landing where they were, and landing in one of those, you know, playoff proper, not like play-in spots, but not, not home field advantage, which is, I think, where we think the level of expectation should be for this team.
0: I agree. I I do also feel like it's worth talking about with positioning wise, it is also we'll see how the East does. Klobos, yeah, in the seasons he's coached. The East has always been actually kind of decent. For reference, when he first in 2012 when he actually was technically nominated for coach of the year and finished in fourth. He finished fourth in the league, which is a wild card, fourth in the East, which is a wild card spot, with 57 points. The East was diabolically good that year. So I think it is worth noting, too. Like, if the East is really, really good and they're just dominating the West, which I actually kind of hope happens because as long as we can keep the LA Galaxy and LAFC from making the playoffs, I'm happy.
1: But, I think both would not happen, but yeah, I mean, I, and I think the East is likely to be the better conference again next year.
0: Well, no, it, uh, LA, both LA teams were kept out a couple of years ago. and Yeah, I that happened maybe, once.
1: Yeah. I, I still don't think that that's a realistic expectation for 24.
0: I, I don't disagree. I just, help, I just hope.
1: I mean, Man, more both LA teams making the playoffs, I think, is more realistic than neither LA team making the playoffs.
0: I'd rather LA Galaxy than LAFC.
1: Well, I'm not I saying think that's that. a that's a less realistic anyways. I'm
0: not I'm not just saying that for Eli. <laughs> Eli.
2: But Eli. I think Syracuse I, alum Eli. What was that? Syracuse alum recent grab We need to <laughs> we, we I, We've been mentioning
1: Eli. Syracuse alums all day for for some reason, Alex. I'm not entirely sure. Oh no Adams? Uh, yep.
0: I mean to be fair, we do we do have we
2: have, uh, you know, Syracuse. Should I break, a, should, I break a Syrac- should I break a Syracuse story on the podcast? Nobody will listen to her now. No. <laughs> no, no. I, th-
0: I think we need to wrap up. Otherwise, Austin's going to kill us. It's
2: MLS Superdraft related.
1: Okay. okay. Give us, send us Get out us. with that.
2: Uh, the number one, pr- one of the top center back prospects, the NCAA, Olu Olyagunle, is not entering the MLS Superdraft.
1: Oh,
0: uh, why? Are those opportunities with Chicago?
2: No, that would be I'm entering not the tweeting MLS this, or anything. this is only this is only for our listeners. Nobody else. Is so only
1: it. the people who have made it about an hour and nine minutes. podcast. I think
2: they des- I think they deserve that exclusive scoop if they made it through an hour ten of us talking about the Chicago fire.
1: So find your nearest extremely obscure bookmaker. And, I can uh, also put off, some money offers, on that.
0: I'll also so offer some inside info. Uh, it's time for pizza. All right, so this <laughs> DJ, a, it's
1: always time for pizza with you. Come on.
0: Actually, no. Right now, it's time for a good pizza. Usually, it's the crubby Chicago, Florida pizza, not Chicago pizza. Actually, Chicago pizza down here does not taste as as Chicago pizza. Chicago.
2: I want to go to Pequod's when I come back for the for the winter holidays.
0: I need Aurelio's and Baker's pizza. Those are the two. But, with all that said, this has been an interesting podcast. Of course, I am joined by Mr. Tim. I refuse to speak French anymore.
1: Salut! No. Thanks for thanks for having us, as always.
0: And I am joined by Mr. Alex.
2: Renew Javikasas.
1: A la prochaine fois.
0: All right. Uh, well, the, Tim and Alex descend into Froggyhood. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you all again in the near future. Adios.